Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Dream Reality New Earth Radio, reminding you that the choice is yours. I'm Dr. Dream with my co-host Ilya Nabatovsky, and now on with the show. Welcome to Dream Reality New Earth Radio. I am your host this evening, Dr. Dream, and our co-host is... And our co-host is Ilya Nabotovsky. Dr. Dream, Happy New Year! Happy New Year is right! Oh my gosh, I just... You know, this is our first broadcast of 2012, and let me just say... Pretty darn amazing that we're just here in 2012, and and the icing on that cake for me is doing this broadcast. And I, I just want to share with you, when the intro music was going on, I was almost like vibrating off of my chair. There's such an excitement um, about all of this. Not, not just tonight's broadcast, but most certainly about tonight's broadcast, but just everything in general. Are, are you feeling that same way? Oh, are you kidding me? Every time I hear that introduction, I get such a huge smile on my face that I can barely keep myself from laughing. And I know I'm not muted, so I really have to try hard <laughs> to stay quiet here. Yes. Um, but I'm with you, brother. I definitely feel that energy. And you know what? If you let a little laugh sneak through on the broadcast during the opening, I think everyone would understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, it's been... It's been some weeks, like three weeks, two weeks, I don't know, something like that, since we did a broadcast. Our last one was right before um, the holiday, right before Christmas. So um, lots of stuff has gone on. I mean, tell me, you're, you're there on the East Coast. Um, how, was, how, how was your holiday and, and everything since then? Well, uh, let me tell you, there was a lot happening here around the holiday season. There was a huge party um, on New Year's Eve, and <laughs> I had—I was actually in a dilemma, Doctor Dream. Um, there was there was this huge party where all the conscious people were going to attend, and there were probably going to be two or maybe even three hundred people. And there was this other gathering with uh, beautiful people, and at that gathering, there was maybe going to be four people. And and I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, what what feels right for me this year? Because last year, as you remember, uh, we were at an amazing estate in Ojai, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little later, but an ex- uh, the experience that I had was just mind-blowing. And so for this year, I felt that it was appropriate to really keep it humble and really keep it small and it was perfect. We had a beautiful, small gathering um, with beautiful people, and I couldn't have asked for anything better. You know, it's a, it, that is a tough one because last year we um, 
were with the whole Elevate family doing the Jedi retreat in Ojai. Um, it was about a month and a half after we had first met um, our guest tonight, Mickey Willis, at the um, Leaders Causing Leaders, um, the first Leaders Causing Leaders, and um, we spent 11-11 at the Elevate Estate with Nassim Harriman, and we did a Galactivation, and we did a big event there on 12-21 last year for the uh, lunar eclipse. And then we were right back for the Jedi retreat. And it was it, it was an unbelievable way to end one year and start another. I'm not I'm I'm big on New Year's Eve events. Um we used to gather people, get blocks of hotel rooms in San Francisco and bring people in from all over and, and do our, our New Year's um with music and, and hot springs and mud baths and you know, all this stuff over the years. Last year was the most conscious, the most high vibration, the most incredible um opportunity to welcome a New Year's that I have ever participated in. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. That New Year's was, hands down, the best New Year's experience I have ever had. And we can go into further detail about that, but all I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> at this time is that it really changed my life forever. And um, I am ever so grateful to the whole Elevate team. And um, because of that, I'm very honored to have Mickey Willis on our show today. So... Um, why don't you, Dr. Dream, go ahead and uh, please introduce our guest. Yeah, and so I, too, really, really love this because this is our first broadcast of the new year. And um, we've been kind of branching out in, in the topics of our broadcast, and we've been getting into some kind of some heavier material. Um, the Mars cover-up and Obama on Mars uh, was our last broadcast of um, – of uh, 2011, um, this this whole story has taken on a life of its own at this point. And and but but what I wanted to do for 2012 and for our first broadcast was to to just dive into this year with such incredible positive energy and and loving energy and and conscious and aware insights. Um, and there was there was really no thought process beyond Mickey Willis is to be uh to be our guest. And so um I was so pleased when we got a hold of Mickey and, and everything was perfect for him. Um I'm gonna just read this it so doesn't do Mickey justice, but but I asked for a short bio because with Blog Talk Radio and everything we can't put as much up there. So I'm gonna go ahead and read his bio um, and then I'm going to introduce him. As the founder and CEO of Elevate, Mickey Willis has produced over 200 independent productions ranging from network television shows and theatrical features to music videos and viral media. Elevate's initiatives include Play It Forward, a revolutionary viral distribution platform for transformational movies and media, Elevate Films, a full-service films and viral media production company, Elevate Film Festival, the world's first international socially conscious filmmaking challenge, The Experience, and Elevate Presents, a live event production and uh, innovation initiative. But you know what? <laughs> 
what I just said was all like brain stuff. And what I what my experience has been with Mickey Willis from the moment that I hugged him in a hallway um on like November eighth of um two thousand uh, ten was um the heart. It was all heart. And um that's not to say that Mickey's not a brilliant uh person. He absolutely is, but but what strikes you initially is is you feel this man's heart. And so it is with no further introduction that I present to our listeners, Mickey Willis. Mickey, are you with us? I am so with you and so grateful once again for the way that you've even topped your last introduction of me, which was at the last Leaders and Leaders Conference, which I didn't think you could do. And so thank you so much for that <laughs> introduction. We are kind of now in a, um, I think, this tit-for-tat competition of every time we introduce each other, how how much more loving and over-the-top can we gush about each other. So <laughs> I'm a little blushing right now and in deep, deep, deep gratitude for the way that you fill me and receive me, and I'm um, very honored to be here. Well, Mickey, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and um, in Seattle on 9-11, you introduced me in such a way that I could barely speak. Your introduction touched me so deeply. Um, and what I want to share just at the beginning of this, um, because I can do it, it's my show, is that um, I met you at a very interesting time in my life. Lots of changes were happening. Um, and... Uh, really was i i it, it just happened at a time that i really felt like i was taking big strides forward um and but there were there were certain things missing for me and and one of the biggest things missing i think at that point for me was was a male role model who has who who encompasses all that that i know um is related to the true nature of our reality. And, and the moment I met you and, and each subsequent experience and the times we've had and the talks and the group events and everything else has just furthered that along for me. And um, I'm not the only one. I mean, you've, you've had such a tremendous impact on so many people, um, people that you know in person and people that have been touched by um, the different offerings that Elevate has put out, and and um, it's 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 so effortless for me to tap into that about you um, that the words just seem seem to flow. And so tonight for the broadcast, um, I'd like us to sort of be kind of all over the place. Um, I want to touch on a lot of different things. I've got all sorts of current events um, and things to to kind of check in with you about because because you and I don't have regular communication and and I'm interested in your perspective and your your heart centered um, energy about everything that's going on. But but before we do that, um, I I want people to know a little bit more about about you and about your process and your experience that has really enabled you to so open yourself up for all of us and open your heart. And I'm leaving it pretty general, 
um, because I want you to just kind of go with this as as you are comfortable with it. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of that. I I'll, I guess I'll start by trying to really put into a capsule here the brief span of the history of my life, which is um, started with um, entertainment, music, and then gracefully transitioned into the film world, but in front of the camera as an actor. And that swiftly evolved into a fascination and a passion and an obsession with behind the scenes, production, writing, creating. And this is all now 25 years ago. And um, I'm 40, how old am I right now? Boy, I'm 44 years old right now. And so I started at 19 years old, came to Hollywood from my hometown of Sacramento, and made that big leap on my own in a U-Haul truck with everything I owned and tried to, you know, do my best to, to find a place to live right away and, and jumped into this arena that we lovingly refer to as Hollywood, an industry, a business is what it is, and, and had all the experiences that um, we've heard from everyone who has um, been around this um, this work long enough of really ex experiencing all of the materialness of of the industry and found myself turning into someone that I knew I wasn't and really competing with a lot of the actors that I was, you know, it was, it's a constant competition of trying to win an audition and sitting in a lobby with 20, 30 of your peers and acting as friendly as you can be, but hoping that one of them falls and breaks their leg before they make it to the audition room. That kind of spirit of being in competition with everyone for that one role, that one role that booking this could bring in tens of thousands of dollars that could help me out of my hole and my debt and pay my rent. And so the pressure of that and trying to survive in a, you know, largely a dog-eat-dog -dog type of an environment of a system um, that uh, does exist within the industry of Hollywood <clears throat> created these behaviors and these habits that... Um, led me further and further away from knowing myself. And I became a director and directed my first feature after having taught acting for six years. I then became a theater, theater director and then I taught acting and ended up directing my first feature in 96 and went on the road, on the film festival circuit, and the long road that follows filmmaking to, as a filmmaker finishes their film, and then the work begins, and that's tr now trying to get the, the, the film to be seen. By the time we were done with the film, which is about 99, it was about a three-year process of trying to get distribution and, and doing screenings and, and doing our best to market and get the exposure that we felt our film deserved and and having won some awards and some film festivals we had enough validation to know that it was worthy of that yet this was a very long um and um 
very precarious road that led me to New York City in 2001 to have a meeting with a man that was finally going to be that Midas hero that would take our film out of the realms of the cracks that it had fallen through and catapulted into the, um, the the arena that we knew that it belonged. And this man had a track record of success, and so we felt very good about that. And solidified our deal on 9-8-2001, which left me in New York City with a plane ticket to fly home back to L.A. on 9-11-2001. Needless to say, I did not make it home on 9-11. I ended up, as fate would have it, understanding the true destiny of that film that I'd pushed for six years of my life was made for the sole purpose of placing me, at least this is what I believe deeply in my heart, placing me in a spot that has now changed the entire course of my life and my family's life, and that is uh, during the the collapse of the World Trade Center and the attack on the World Trade Center, um, I ended up on the the rubble of the World Trade Center where I served for three days doing search and rescue and body recovery and had a life-awakening experience. Everything that I'd been programmed from 19 years old on that I thought was important was suddenly so insignificant to me as I saw... $150,000 cars on Wall Street being crushed by earth movers to make room for emergency vehicles at the chance of saving one human life. I started to get realigned with what was important and understand why that film that I'd made and put all of my money and all of my family's money and all of my friends' family's money and all, all of the blood, sweat, and energy that went into that why it hadn't gone where I wanted it to go, but that it went exactly where I needed it to go so I could be standing there on the very spot where almost all of the world was focused in that moment, realizing that the very spot where my feet were standing, touching the ground, our beautiful earth, the entire world was focused on that spot, wishing they could be there to help. And I somehow was fortunate enough to be there and found myself at the crossroads of my life with a choice to be made between the way that that experience, what I'd seen, what I'd experienced, could be devastating to my future, or it could literally elevate my future. And I chose that road. And from that came the vision for Elevate and the vows that I'd made, literally, which I'm sure we'll get into within this 90 minutes, the vows that I made of what would inform my life and what I, what I would be in service to from that point on and have done my best since that point, 10 years now, have done my best to stay in alignment and not forget that purpose that I found as I literally, I always say I we were, went in search of survivors and search of life and what I found was my own. So that brings us pretty much up to speed with uh, how Elevate um, was was um, brought into reality and birthed. It is truly an amazing story, and I've um, 
I've heard you share it uh, several times now, and in, in greater deal in, in greater detail. And it's it's just it it's mind blowing um, how all the circumstances of your life lined up in that way, um, and and you know how could it not be a, a game changer for you? And and you you know you you just really have have embraced that um, you know in all that you do. And so, tell us, you know, what, like, wh- where it went from that point. You know, that was that was ten years ago. So, th- these changes of of seeing yourself for who you had become, and knowing that that wasn't really what it was about. Wh- what were the first couple of years of of your I guess like transformation or fine tuning of who you are or adjustment. What what was that like? Yeah, well, the fine tuning and adjustment is is something that I deal with every day. It's it's just a work in progress, and I've come to find out that there's very likely no end to it. And once we accept that and we get that there is no there there, it's just here now and being with whatever whatever is, and embracing that is really the process and. But to answer your question, the first couple of years, uh, a lot changed for me. I put everything I owned in a storage unit, moved out of Los Angeles, and thankfully had a, a writing job, and which afforded me to live for a year in a guest house on a vineyard in Napa Valley. Bought a motorcycle, drove around the vineyards of Napa Valley, and really for the first time in you know 20 years or, or almost 20 years whatever it was at that point it's solid 16 years um took that time i actually filed for divorce i would have been married since i was 23 and filed for a divorce and started that process of getting out of a relationship that had run its course and was not bringing either one of us happiness anymore and 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 put an end to that in a very graceful and loving way. Remained friends, but knew that it was time for that physical change in the, the dynamics of of all, both of our lives. And really took some time to get to know myself, which I had really never done. I was always on a pursuit that was, um, I've always been a good guy, a nice guy, but I was also very much driven to prove myself. So that's all ego when we're out to prove something. So there was a core story of not being good enough and not being seen. So I was out to counter that with showing everyone that I was not, not, it wasn't that I wasn't good enough. I was better than, and, and, and everything was about seeing me, look at me, look at my trophies, look at my, my critic reviews. And, and that's a very dangerous path. And it's a path that creates behavior of selfishness. And when we, when we are get so focused on the self, we get, we lose the connection with others because we become so much into our own place of of only depending that we, we create that story that we can only depend on ourselves and trust ourselves and and people start to become this very dangerous thing to navigate and so I found myself spending a lot of time writing and writing writing a script and riding my motorcycle and really having that time that that very reflective is Anyone who is a motorcycle rider will say it's, it's a meditation. It's a moving meditation. 
and spending a lot of time reflecting on really like, who is this guy? Who is this guy driving this motorcycle right now? Who, who do these hands belong to? And what are my thoughts? What did I come here to do? And just to really take time to be with some of those questions and that I'd really never taken time for before in my ambitious pursuit to make it. And that was a, a solid year and a half process and possibly two years of just inter-reflection. And I finally decided I had, you know, early on into that, I had said, I, I'm done with Hollywood. I want nothing to do with the pretentiousness and the, and the games you have to play and the phoniness and the, lunches and smiling at people because they had money and they could help make your film and but not wanting to not a person that you'd invite into your home and all of that ness you know like wanting to just shake that off and never deal with that again and and also knowing on the flip side is there's a lot of beautiful people in Hollywood and there's a what calls most everyone into Hollywood at a young age is something really pure and really valuable and really important, a thing called our dreams, and you, more than anyone, you know, with your title, Dr. Dream, know exactly what I'm talking about. That dream, that thing that inspires us when we experience our first movie or actor or musician or performer that has us know how amazing the human body is, how amazing humanity is, and that we can actually cause that experience of hope and love and creativity for others and knowing realigning with that and remembering that Hollywood is actually based on that that's the foundation of the reality of that and the commerce and the greed and all of that that has taken over which it has really globally for all industries it's not just Hollywood but uh, but the foundation of it which is built on us recreating through cinema stories of our lives and sharing that with each other, realizing and remembering that that is what's there and it's there, had me decide that I'm not leaving Hollywood. I'm reinventing the way that I will be in Hollywood and who I will be and who I will play with. And the result of that vow was the vision for Elevate Film Festival, which was the thing that really put Elevate on the map. And in short, what that was, was my I turned off my TV in 91 uh, after I came back from the World Trade Center, and I'd, I'd seen a lot of the news reports and had, had seen the inaccuracies of a lot of the reports. Having been there, it was like I found myself going, that's not how it happened. That's not true. Why are they saying that? And now all, the, now all the stations are reporting the same lie. And I just shut my TV off and said, that's not where you go for truth. That's where you go to check out. So let's create an experience where people go to check in. And let's focus on the good news of the world. Let's find the kind of people I worked with on the rubble of the World Trade Center, these heroes that were breathing deadly asbestos and knew it, but didn't, didn't stop their search at the chance that there were survivors. These amazing men and women that were willing to sacrifice themselves at the slight chance of saving another. I saw that, I experienced that, I experienced something for the first time in my life that was so much bigger than a human identity that even the sergeants 
on the fire teams had dropped their rank and invited anyone who could help to help, to feed them, to wash their eyes, to dig, to search, to see that great equalizer of something so much bigger than any of the other stuff that we had deemed important up until that point, had me realize that while at the core of Hollywood is this beautiful intention, at the core of humanity is that same beauty. So we created this global film competition that was basically the purpose of it, of it was to have people make a short film in a short period of time that spotlighted what's right with the world and what's right with people. And then we'd bring them into a, a large arena like the Kodak Theater or the Nokia Theater, and we'd screen all of these short films back-to-back -back and just celebrate what's right with the world and elevate, literally. And that's how the name began, and that's how the festival began. And I'll stop there. I'll take a breath. <laughs> I love the way you do things, Mickey. I love hearing um, aspects of your story that, that I haven't gotten before. Um and you you you're you're not a sideline person. Um you are like the epitome of a true participant. Um at times a leader, at times doing whatever it is your role needs to do at that moment. Um I want to take us back to something you said earlier. Because this whole experience on top of the rubble of the World Trade Center, um you know, had to have, and, and you referred to it before, um, you know, sort of uh, given you a new foundation to build on, which you obviously did. But you mentioned um, the vows that you made for your life. I'm really interested yeah. in hearing uh, you share what those are. Okay, yeah, thank you for asking. Well, the I actually was not clear on on the vows until I married my current and and eternal wife Nadia, who's my best friend, and I sure hope we have um, some more time to speak about her and my new baby a little bit later. Hmm. Um, but as I stepped, we've been married for two years now, and as I stepped into my second marriage. I had to really re-examine as I wrote my vows, I had to re-examine the nature of why am I getting married again? And what and our relationship was so good that this this thought came over me of why would we change any of it? And what does it really mean to have suddenly a legal paper and do we want to tamper and tinker with something that's already working. There was this thought in my mind, this kind of this panic. And um, and what I had come to is to realize that the guidance that I had received when I really checked in to say, to say, what is this about? I had learned the difference of what devotion is. I received this inner question of, what have you ever been devoted to? And it really took me by surprise because I'd realized that I'd never really used that word before. I'd always kind of related it to some kind of religious connotation. And um, But the, my answer was, well, I'd only been really devoted to my mother, who was my best friend, who, who passed away when I was in my mid-20s. And I'd been devoted to, as I said earlier, my career, myself. But what, did, what else have I been devoted to? And what is devotion, first of all? Because I've really gotten commitment down. I'm a committed person, but what is devotion? And I got that. Devotion is a commitment, a promise, a vow to God. 
as other. And that was something I never tried on before. I had made a promise to my former wife, and the moment that she broke her promises to me, I then had an excuse to then violate my promises to her. And it was a really simple thing, and that's pretty much was the pattern of my life up until that point. But to be devoted to the creator of my life by whatever name we call it, the source of life, by making that promise to this person, to that creator, was something that I realized, even in my most private moment, I would never violate. There's no getting away with breaking a vow in that way. There's no slipperiness. There's no secretiveness. There's no lies that you can actually get away with. So that kind of brings us up to speed on what I feel the foundation of a vow is. And for for me, the vows that were made and that have been I've been continuing to expand upon in my life because they drop they literally drive me. They guide me. They inform. The, the, the choices, each choice that I make, I ask myself, is this in alignment with, with the vows of my life? And such vows is as simple as I, I vow to be an honest man. And I mean all, all the way honest. I mean no white lies, no, no intentional lies whatsoever, no shadiness, no sneakiness, no getting one by on the IRS, no wherever I can think I can justify it just because there's some kind of justifiable reason, actually just living honestly. And it's a challenge. It's really, it's a challenge when you start to really get deep into understanding the true nature of our manipulation and the way we speak to try to win someone over and to try to, the more I see myself, the more I see these innate hand-me-down habits uh, the more opportunity they have to actually purge them, to purify them, and to realign with the vows of simply being a good father, a good husband, a good man, a good leader, a good student, and do the best I can with the time I have on this incredible planet to do good. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Now, <clears throat> on my, in my experience, in the last five or six months specifically, and still to the now, um, one of the lessons that I'm having, um, that I'm playing with, is it's about finding an inner strength and balance no matter what chaos is going on outside of me. And this is something that Laura and I are are constantly focused on. Um and and it's it's like we're 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 not ever letting up on this. And so um I get the feeling and I, I've had some uh uh sessions with people that have come to me recently that that certainly I'm not the only one dealing with this. The chaos is sort of stepping up its presence in the in the outer experience of our reality um how how do you deal with that well you know there's there there is a potential for a lot of chaos in in my life and that is because we are now involved in creating um technology for the internet and all the stuff that goes along with creating a internet platforms and social media and from this financial 
necessities to all the way to our, my my daily life now, which is a very unique situation. Living here in Ojai, California, uh, with 20 other people on uh, four acres of land with four homes, and and everyone that we live with, we work with. They're all part of the company, so it's a very unique dynamic of where there's no privacy and there's nowhere to hide. And in the beginning, that's really a terrifying thing for a lot of people, but at the end, uh, gradually, we begin to really embrace it and love it because we start uh, uh, not wanting to hide anymore. So to answer your question, it's um, it's an ongoing practice for me. My, my practice right now, which I, I think really relates to your question, is really examining stress and understanding the Stress is one of the number one killers of the human body. And if we're all here to really celebrate and elevate life, then, then stress is, um, is a direct, directly counterintuitive to our purpose for being here. And so my practice has been, how do I deal with all of the stuff that happens with technology collapsing and investors backing out and all the stuff you deal with when you start, start to get into bigger business how do I allow this stuff to show up without feeling the enormous stress within the body that I know is uncomfortable? It creates health conditions, and, and I just feel so much different, so much heavier, literally weighted down by stress. And so for me, it's what we vow, what we vowed to um, a lot of members of our community here, which is to make our practice first to first understand that nothing is more important than the humans, the humans that are involved in the business. Nothing, the humans come first. Nothing is more important than our families and our connections and our friends, none of it. And to really be diligent with our practices because they tend to stray when we get really busy. Our meditation, our gym, our cardio, the stuff that keeps our, the, the, instrument that is our body well tuned so that the elements like stress don't become stagnant and blocked in the body we know what happens when our intestines are you know become become clogged really how uncomfortable that is and, and how unhealthy it is and how much how, how, how heavy we feel and how it really bogs us down in our life and we don't have a healthy system in that way and it's the same way energetically so it's the energetic practice it's the energetic clearings it's not holding on to grudges or unspoken truth sitting down with people having conscious communication that's all a, a energetic colonic we like to call it here like literally <laughs> really really clearing that out and and there are so many aspects of that we literally have just done a month of what we call property colonic and that is we have been literally purging our attics and our closets and just the stuff that accumulates, you know, like our clothes, giving them away, the stuff that we don't ever use and we don't need and, and painting garages just down to the detail of let's get our whole organism of our system here purified, clean, and so the energy can flow. And so for me, when I get stuck, I'm not doing that stuff. And every time I free it up and have those challenging conversations pull us out of our comfort zone to finally have that conversation with a partner who has somehow just been feeling challenging in my life and sit down and just say, I'm not here to be right. I'm not here to teach you anything or, or show you where you're wrong. I'm simply here just to say, this thing is coming up and I love you and I know you love me 
and what is this and what can, what can what's the opportunity here and let's just let's just get it out there and every single time without fail that flood of energy just gets released and the stress goes with it hmm. mm. now um i i absolutely love Nikki what what you talk about and um you know speaking of stress at this time uh, i'm sure a lot of people can actually relate you know within uh this year and this the time of transformation and the time of the shift that's happening. And I would just like to know what your opinion is about the current time and, and you know, what, what you see is happening in our world on a collective level. Uh, if you could just share mm-hmm. a little bit uh, with that. Yes, thank you. I am more excited now to be alive than ever in my 44 years of life. And that is not... Uh, from denial, not from spiritual bypass, if you know what that is, but from real deep, on the front line, in the trenches, whatever you want to call it, research and discovery of what is happening and understanding the trajectory of where we're going. We have a really fortunate situation here as a company that has founded itself on solutions and what's right with the world and that is we get to see all of these technologies and incredible human inventions that are coming out soon to come out and it just leaves us realizing how amazing the future is and then there's the present moment which is certainly undergoing a great purging and a great rebirth this is literally a process right now that we're in of, of birth. And if anyone, which I just did for my first time five months ago, have been through the process of birth to witness what women go through and what fathers go through in that process and what the baby goes through in that process and the messiness of it, the scariness of it, and the pain of it, it is nothing short of, of, of a birth, of a renaissance. Renaissance meaning rebirth. And we are in the process right now of coming out of the dark ages. And there may be more dark ages to, to walk through together. And there likely will be. But it's a necessary walk for us to take together, really in this time, as our world is waking up to take responsibility for our planet and our lives by not following anymore, by not just hoping that someone has the will and wherever they're headed to, I hope it's a place we want to be. Like that's kind of where we've been. And also not going too far on the other side. So far deep into the hatred and conspiracy theories that our life becomes so weighted down by shadow that we're actually, as transistors, which is what we are, and energetic transistors, we're broadcasters sending out signals all day long, every day, every breath, that we're actually not sending out the very signal in which we're seeking to fine-tune, you know, to the, the, we're not actually being the, being the cause of the problem out there by creating more distrust and more hatred and more unhappiness and more suffering. Our, I've come to the conclusion thus far in my life, which is subject to change at any moment, um, but thus far I've come to the conclusion that my greatest service on this planet, the things that we're building through a company right now are really great and very powerful, but my greatest service 
is to maintain my own high vibration. Hmm. Wow. And I love hearing you say that. Um, and just had this realization right now that this is one of the reasons we get along so well because this is, you know, a point of focus um, for both of us. Now, you mentioned your your baby, um, yeah. five months old. It's your first child. Is that correct? That's right. Talk to, I mean, you know, we, we, we talked about one life-changing experience for you that we all experienced, the World Trade Center, yeah. not at the level you experienced it, certainly. But talk to us now about, you know, this this life that, that, that you are co-responsible for bringing into this reality. Well, the experience itself was not at all what we expected, and I'll explain that. We planned on having a child, so it was perfectly planned. Everything worked out great. All the results were very positive. We had the most amazing baby blessing. 150 or so people showed up at our home, and it was just magical. We did a lot of research of how do we choose to bring this child into this planet, and we decided on a water birth and a home birth. And we hired the best, as far as we could find, midwife that we could find. A woman who is named Mary Jackson, who is in almost all of the birthing movies available. Really a legend. People call her a legend, and I would say she's worthy of that title. And we took courses and, and did everything that we could possibly do to follow through with this divine plan did not go that way whatsoever baby didn't want to come out after 18 hours of labor and pushing and pain by my wife Nadia something happened enough now this is a midwife who has a track record of of one in 64 fa uh, families actually end up going into the hospital all of them end up at home. She's just got that kind of record. But we were going to be the one in the 64, of course. She says, it's time to go to the hospital. We jump into the car with Laura, as you mentioned a moment ago, our beloved sister here, part of our community. And we rush to the hospital. And we get to the hospital. And by this time, Nadia is totally exhausted. And they advise her to... For, to give her a little bit of medication and let her sleep for two hours so she can regain some strength to come back and push more because she's a real strong woman, a former gymnast, and she'd been pushing really hard. <clears throat> so she woke up after two hours, started to push again, and nurse came in to check and said, it's your call. I strongly advise doing a C-section now. We could feel her seriousness. And... Suddenly we realized, okay, plan B has now turned into plan C. And off Nadia goes to prepare for an emergency C-section. They take me into another room, and they start putting the gown on me and washing my hands and, you know, all of that stuff that happens. And I'm getting my camera ready. I'm thinking, no matter what, I'm going to be there to take some photographs of this precious moment, just really <laughs> checking in, accepting, accepting, accepting. And, and uh, suddenly I hear from down the hallway someone yelling, Where's the father? Where's the father? And 
so I kind of poke my head out, and someone says, are you the father? Yes, 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 I am. Come now, quick. I was like, wow, jeez. Panic energy, right? I could just feel it right away, and my body got tingly, and I thought, what the hell? What kind of greeting is that, you know? And they rushed me into the room, and I opened the, they opened the door, and, and I see this sight that just sent just total, oh, man, just panic through my body. And that was my wife strapped down to this table with her arms out like a crucifixion. And she had some, some, which I didn't know at the time, she had some medication that was making her whole body shake violently. And they had this whole shield up covering her stomach, and there's a team of doctors. Just, you could, I could hear them. They told me, you know, just to kind of stay with her so I couldn't see over the screen, and I hear them just rushing around. And, and I could feel the, the, the panic, the chaos in the room. And, I, and so, and here's my beautiful little wife looking up at me saying, what's happening, what's happening, is everything okay, what's happening? And, and so I do my best to like, just to keep her calm, just to, God, I'm thinking the baby, there's enough exterior panic in the room, I don't want mom to be panicked, and let me just bring this child into this space with as much calm and groundedness as we can. So I started to tell Nadia stories, I started to just, and she kept strain off because she was hearing what was going on in the room. I kept bringing her attention back. Listen to me, sweetheart. Listen to me, sweetheart. And I was telling her about the amazing life-altering trip that we had when we went to climb this mountain in Peru. And I always say it was where I went to die, you know, and like we literally were we died and reborn together and telling her, reminding her of this trip of, of, of what it was like climbing this mountain and having no oxygen and and that we've made it through that and we'll make it through this and, and, and this is just a mountain that we're climbing. I'm doing my best to just distract her, distract her. And, and now I would kind of heard the, the room shift in energy and I decided to peek around this barrier. And I see this little, this little baby on, on this cold metal surface on this machine. And, uh, and it's not making any, any sounds whatsoever. And they're pumping with little, you know, hand pumped on its, you know, over its mouth, trying to breathe for it, and they're shaking his limbs, and and I just, it was like, now up until that point, I had been praying a lot. Those are the kind of circumstances that if you're religious or not, and I really have not, I was not raised in church or anything like that, I've had to find my own God. But those are the experiences that will bring you to understand the power of prayer. So I'd been praying for 24 hours at that point. And I started feeling like none of my prayers were being answered. Like, where are you? Where are you right now? And I saw this happening and I realized it was a critical situation and there was no sounds coming from this purple little body. And I stopped, and I said, and Nadia's, you know, over here in my ear saying, what's happening, what's happening, what's going on, is everything okay? And I stopped, and I said, okay. I have done enough work to have a pack full of tools. What tool am I not using that I should be using right now? Please help me. Please help me. And the guidance was, I had been praying for things to be different please fix the situation. Please make it another way. Please make it the way I want it to be. And 
in that moment, I said, oh, God, yes, that's right. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten. Okay, what's the higher prayer? The prayer for me is, thank you for this experience exactly the way it is. And at that moment, my son cried for the first time. And I will never forget that as long as I live. When the stress comes, when the fear comes, when the why me comes, now it's met with, thank you, yes, thank you, God. Thank you for this experience exactly the way it is. I choose it to be the way it is. Thank you for this experience. I receive it. I know it is for me and not to me. And I know that this too shall pass and this too I shall overcome. Thank you for this experience exactly the way it is. And now we have, and I'm not just saying this because I'm the father of, we have (laughs) one of the most incredible, healthy, happy babies that I've ever experienced that is a teacher for this entire community. All he does is laugh. Hmm. He's passed around all day long. He's got he's got 12 moms and 12 daddies and, <laughs> and you know, babysitters galore. And he's just a constant source of comedy and a reminder not to take ourselves too seriously and just to wake up giggling. Wow. I'm as my eyes are welled up with tears from this story, I'm also just like deeply enriched with with that lesson and all my stuff came up about, you know, fighting what is and not accepting and so I'm just incredibly grateful for you for you sharing that. Um it's big. It's really really big uh for me in this moment and and just with everything. Uh, as you know, you've met my daughter, Maya, who's 11 years old, and, um, there's just nothing else in life that can compare to being, um, a parent and, and, and what that means and, and how it's evolved from our grandparents, you know, being parents and then our parents being our parents and and just, you know, the opportunity that, that we have to to fine-tune the process for ourselves based on what we've learned. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, Nadia, your wife, um, yeah. who I just absolutely adore and... I mentioned to you recently at Ecotopia that that um, when I first met you, I knew that I had found um, a role model, an energetic role model for for what it means to be a man in these times. And then at Ecotopia, um, Laura Eisenhower and I took you and Nadia aside and and shared that that what we've also found is a role model of of a dedicated couple. Um, in sacred union partnership and and how valuable that is. So share with us a bit about your relationship and um, and Nadia. Well, like as I, Nadia has been my greatest teacher. She is my best friend. We've been together for nine years now, married for two. And I've always said that 
she is a gourmet recipe. And I'll explain what I mean by that. There is just something very unique about her that has really shown me what's possible when we're not caught up in our own stories. Somehow, she's managed to just let the stories go. She judges no one. She dwells on just about nothing. I, when I got first got together with her, I was a little gun-shy from my previous relationship to be an honest communication. So when I w- would express my truth, I kind of had my dukes up, really ready, ready for that rebuttal and that battle. And I never have received it from Nadia. She just says, oh, okay, wow, I didn't realize I do that. I'll, I will take a look at that. Thank you. So um, what do you want for dinner? You want to go to this new place on the corner? Like just off to something new. And it took me about two years of realizing that that was actually real. I was waiting half the time for like, okay, okay, wow, she just changed the subject, but that's coming back at me later. Two months, whatever it is, it's going to come back. And it never did. And it took me about two years just to accept that she really is this amazing. And because of her, really because of her, we've never had a fight. We've had a really serious, passionate conversations. So we express our truths to each other. We will say, I really need to talk to you. This is not working. Please don't do this again. Here's where I'm at. Here's what's happened. Like that might be the, that's, that's the peak of it, which always comes into this even more graceful communication that comes down to thank you for listening to me. Thank you for accepting the possibility of that and just allowing me to be heard. Thank you. I love you. Awesome. And there's no residue. There's no baggage. There's no, oh, you're making me feel or I feel or, you know, wrong or bad or smaller or lesser or or not as attractive or there's just really none of that. And I literally, literally did not know that that was possible up until I met Nadia. I thought that that was just, that it was natural. And when I realized, just no, it's actually not natural, it's normal. But there's a big difference between normal and natural, which you can pretty much kind of figure it out. We've kind of fallen into patterns of normalcy and have confused those with being natural, what's natural. And I think that's what's happening right now is we're getting closer to nature, back to what really, like, what is our natural response, the nature of our true behavior. And so for me, Nadia has just been this amazing support that... I am in such deep gratitude for of through all of the challenges of as we've been building this company and going, you know, all the different areas of financial struggles and, and, you know, just everything that comes with doing something like this. She's been this rock, this amazing person to remind me not to get caught up in all of it. Anytime I've ever taken any gossip to her or any kind of complaint, she, it, it used to really frustrate me. Now I just realized that I just don't complain really to Nadia if I take her. Just, just a complaint. Not, not, not a, you know, what would be considered a, a complaint for the purpose of elevating a situation, but just really just a straight complaint about someone. She always counters it with, um, they're doing the best they can, or, you know, look what they've been through, and this is just their, you know, just love them. And and it used to really frustrate me. I just wanted her to complain with me sometimes. Just let me let it out. And 
Now I realize what a service that was to me, that she wasn't my accomplice in those circumstances. And I love her so much for that. She's so strong. She's vulnerable. And now watching her with my son Azai, what an incredible mother she is. She's, she's you know, Nadia's Filipino. And if you know anything about Filipino people, they're just gracious, tolerant people. They just... They, you know, we're all learning how to get back into true service. And there's something innate in the makeup of Filipinos where they are just born into true service. And they love to serve not for credits or for tips, but just to know that they brought happiness into your world. And so I am doing my best to emulate my incredible beloved wife the best I can because she is truly uh, an incredible woman. role model for not only the divine feminine, but just um, how incredible humans are. Thank you so much for for sharing that and and expressing so much beauty in um, all that she means to you and all that that she's um, um, given you the opportunity to learn. Uh, I can certainly relate to that. Uh, just love hearing this. Yeah, now, thank you. I've spent um quite a bit of time in the last uh, year or so up at the um the elevator state in Ohio um and and you spoke about it right now about the 20 of you living together on this on this property um what has impressed me is the the sense of community and i I'd, I'd like you to just speak of um what community means to you, the role of community, you know, in 2012 and beyond, um, and just kind of weigh in on on this aspect of our experience. Yeah, thank you. Well, it is all about community. As we move forward, I see that it's all about community. Another very amazing place that I found my body to be was standing directly behind Rodney King, as he said the famous line, can't we all get along? I somehow found myself in at a meeting that was near this press conference and walked out into the parking lot and just like Forrest Gump, that scene where Forrest Gump has his head looking over it, you know, always finding himself in these these important situations. There I was kind of like, who is this guy getting interviewed? And then he said those famous words, can't we all just get along? And it never left my head. I drove away thinking, God, what a good question. What is it with what what is it that that is challenging for, you know, there's all these jokes of, you know, you want to see how enlightened you are, go visit relatives sometime. Go spend a, spend some time, go spend a week with your family and and we laugh at that because we know how true it is. And it's like, what is that? What is that? That the people that we love the most that brought us into this world why is it so challenging to have honest communication with? And what is that thing that, why are roommates difficult sometimes? And why, why is it just, why is it difficult for us to communicate and to get along and share with each other? And so for me, the value of living in community and the value of particularly this community, this experience, which I would not trade for anything in the world, has been this, this education into what does it take to live truthfully and live together where no one is being left behind, no one is being suppressed, 
People are encouraged to speak their truths, to share their gifts, to elevate and expand their gifts, and to live consciously, to compost, to grow our own food, to do all these things that are, have less impact so that we would have less impact on our planet and live more sustainably. And the added element to this, which has made it all the more wonderful and challenging, is we're all part of a company. And so we have to be productive, too. So now comes this whole other layer of really being in each other's business, of saying, you've been by the pool for four days. How is the work getting done? We have a deadline. We have this coming up. We have that. You know, so this... How do we how do we do this? How do we make sure that that the incredible plush environment that we are so fortunate to live in doesn't become a retreat center twenty four seven such that we're not getting anything done and we no longer can afford to live here? It's a reality, it's a physical reality that we have to come to terms with and take responsibility for every single day. And so how do we support each other? How do we how do we do this? And and so what we certainly have learned a lot of what not to do, structures of what not to do, that you know that that create more problems. And when it's time to have a community consensus vote, and when it's time not to, and when it's time to delegate to leaders of certain pods. You're, okay, uh, that garden is your domain. This is your domain. So we have people that are accountable. Maybe it's two or three people. But we've started to gradually learn this process of two years that we've all been here together of learning what works and what doesn't work. And what doesn't work shows up really fast because people just, they, they start getting less happy and, and, and they feel less free. And when things do work, it's, you know, things are actually productive and people are feeling inspired and good. And so we're actually in this new, in this process right now of, of living into new structures and, how do we all get paid so we're thriving through the company so that we don't have to take side jobs which interfere with our productivity and how do we um how do we honor each other how do we how do we let each other have our space when we need it and and how do we ask for community support support when we need it how do we do this so we have you know today was um we had a morning meditation and our meditations are very powerful and we, the first thing that we shared today was we just started with, what's the good news? And we all got to share the good news. What are, what's the good news? And so it just really literally became a meditation of itself because it raised our vibration. We started to really step into gratitude, the frequency of gratitude, which is you know, powerful. And so long answer to your short question is it's still a work in progress. We're learning a lot every single day. And... It is working very well at this point. Now, I, I just want to chime in here and just uh, um, say that community is is truly, truly, you know, the future of mm-hmm. of how we can work together and play together. You know, because things are uh, turning into more of a play type of a relationship in all areas yeah. of our life and. And I'd, and I'd just like to ask you um, what um, Elevate is working on at this time as a community. I know you have many projects, so if yeah. you could share a couple of those with us at this time. Yeah, thank you. Well, at the beginning of the conversation, I mentioned a little bit about my personal struggles to have my first film distributed so that it actually was seen because there's this 
you know, this very unfulfilling experience that a lot of filmmakers have to work for a year or five and spend all of your own money and family's money and to do all of this and at the end of this journey, you know, to have just a few thousand people see your film. It, it You start to really say to yourself, was it worth it? And that's a very dangerous place for filmmakers to be because now here's this thing they've come onto the planet to share their voice and and it's a lot of work to make a film but they start to realize that the that the results of that work there's other ways to reach the planet and it, if it's not through film what is it and so we start to actually um discard one of the most powerful mediums that we have at our disposal literally and i mean that not just as a film lover but as someone who is deeply um, studied the impact of film. This is a medium that incorporates just about every artistic and scientific uh, medium and modality that is available. It's a canvas for literally all of it, from from dance to literature to mythology, sound, vibration, you know, all the technology that goes with that, color therapy, and all of the other elements. And because of that, it is one of the most powerful, and I feel we've just scratched the surface of the power of film. Just scratched the surface. Right now we're using light, sound, and story. And it, there's so much more available through that medium. And so we are literally creating what we feel is the next genre of entertainment of movies and that's a movie that's immersive that people who want to check in actually instead of just checking out and living vicariously through um, someone else's life but literally check in the way that you would for some kind of transformational workshop you go there knowing I'm here to evolve I'm here to awaken I'm here to remember and there's a, a big cry for more of this kind of cinema and media and so that is one thing that we've been um, gradually creating together, and that is what we call the experience. It's going to be a licensable technology that uh, I feel will really revolutionize the cinematic and movie experience. And before that, kind of working working our way backwards to answer and to create a solution for the problem of delivering films to the people, we began three years ago creating a new distribution platform called Play It Forward. And what that is is a sharing system that our intention is to really unleash generosity in the world. We have been so stuck in the tired structure of greed, and we now are feeling the impact and repercussions of being in greedy systems. And now it's time for us to step into generosity, to gifting, as they call it, the, the, gift, the gift economy, really stepping into that. And so Play It Forward is a sharing mechanism that when you, we will be curating, and we are now, we have another launch uh, of a film coming up um, on Valentine's Day called May I Be Frank, and we launched a film last November called Thrive. And we're just curating, and we're going to open up a library, like a, not unlike Netflix or anything, you know, or, or the other portals that are online, but where ours are going to be about uh, quality over quantity. We are curating, carefully curating the most elevating films on the planet 
Right now we're doing it one by one because we're actually testing and learning what does it take to make these films viral. And our test results with Thrive were really through the roof, and now we're doing test results with a little movie called May I Be Frank, and where we have our first celebrity support, Jason Mraz, will be helping us market by giving tens of thousands of, of streaming um, certificates away online to his 12 million Facebook and Twitter fans. So we're really working on leveraging all of the celebrity philanthropists and the power, the power of celebrity to help launch these films viral overnight. So we have um, a big event which we'll be announcing soon, which will happen somewhere around Valentine's Day in Los Angeles. So I hope to see all of the listeners and certainly both of you there. Um, so Play It Forward is now live in the world, and we'll be expanding upon that, adding to the library, and having a place where we can come and have conversations about meetups, action plans, community support groups built all around these important films that offer solutions to our human experience here on Earth. Hmm. Perfect. I love it. And we're having a lot of fun in between. <laughs> and during <laughs> of course now Mickey you have met a whole lot of people you have either met them or you have interviewed them you've been in the presence of the Dalai Lama and all sorts of other uh, great minds and people on the cutting edge of, of science and consciousness and, and I imagine a lot of life lessons for you have come out of that. Can you share some of that with us, Some just some stories? I mean, your life has been so amazing. Um, we, we don't have a lot of time left, but um, I'd, I'd love to hear just a few uh, little nuggets. Absolutely, yes. It's been a really incredible and an honor to ha have had the um, privilege of sitting with so many luminaries and recording interviews hours and hours and hours countless hours sometimes the film will have 200 hours of interviews that you then go back into a dark editing bay and spend a year trying to condense into a 90 minute movie so these lessons that are passed on by you know some of the greatest um, thinkers and beers of our time uh, start to become really ingrained into, you know, the mind. And so I found that to be really such a great, uh, a great education for me personally to have heard so many theories and theologies to come away with, and some of them, quite frankly, are very conflicting. I've had interviews back-to-back -back that one guy comes in and says, the answer is A, and the guy, other guy comes in and says, the answer is definitely not A, it's B. And then, and then the next woman comes in and says, no, it is not either of those, it is definitely C. Trust me, my team has researched this for 15 years. And you just go, wow, what is it? And it's, it's led me into this point of realizing that the truth comes from within. Your truth comes from within. And I've started to, to understand that there is a, a way to receive information from other humans and there's a way when you know that it's coming from heart and from pure intelligence and when it's coming from opinion when it's coming through the filters of their, their own belief systems and perhaps getting a bit you know colored in for whatever 
reason they have or unconscious reason that this is how we end up with so many varying opinions on the planet and quite frankly with in a state of chaos and conflict and I've begun to explore the possibility of that there is a divine intelligence that is available to all of us at all times and when we do enough inner work that our instrument is cleanly, purely, clearly receiving the information, which sometimes, you know, the the ego can make the mistake of claiming as its idea, which is really where the ego comes from, um, how, or I should say how, how the ego um, grows. Start We start thinking how brilliant we are and... And, and and what masters we are, the more that we actually understand that we're just, just conduits, fully receiving, thanking the body for participating with this dance between physical realm and spirit, but that we're literally just allowing this information to come through. The more I've seen, especially living here in community, the more I've seen that, that there hardly is any conflict within our community. Anytime, and believe me, there's so many creative people on our team. They're all really, truly incredible visionaries. But every time that I, that I witness someone having a conflicting idea, I always like to kind of drill into it. And I'll say, that's interesting. So you're saying black, you're saying white, and you're both very adamant about the choice. And, and let's kind of drill into how did you arrive at black? And how did you arrive at white? And and we we learn one of two things, and that is, one of them are either coming from fear somewhere. Someone saying, well, you know, I'm just afraid that if we make this choice that Netflix will steal our idea. Oh, interesting. What if there were no fear? What if there was no fear? And we could actually accept the fact that if Netflix is meant to run with our idea, that that's what we created it for. What if we could just let go of the fear of losing? Where would you be? And it's like suddenly they start to agree with the idea that was in opposition to their idea a moment ago. When the fear goes away, so you start to see how we, our ideas get filtered through the fear, we start to protect ourselves, and it starts to turn into uh, possibly another vision that isn't really even our own. And this is what I'm very curious about right now, very passionate about, is getting back to this natural sense. We've kind of been disconnected, same kind of analogy of having a computer disconnected from being online it can only produce and 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 think what's on its hard drive but when it's plugged in and it's online it has this infinite intelligence it becomes a supercomputer and so i i feel like the shift that we're all going through with humanity right now is how to return we've kind of it's so perfect that we've given up trust in all the leaders and voices and all this stuff that we've oh yay obama oh no obama's not good you know just all this has happened for us recently for us to say who do i listen to and for me it's about tapping in really plugging in getting online sorry about the metaphors but getting online again and receiving that intelligence that has us informed by the very thing that all of nature is informed with and that's how we realign with with nature itself and i and i, I believe personally or i see at least the possibility and our future being harmonious as a result of us literally being guided from pure presence and pure consciousness as opposed to what we were taught or what the books say or 
you know, what didn't work for mom and dad, we're just going to follow and do it anyway. Period. <laughs> I just... <laughs> you totally had me on the edge of my seat. And I was... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's hard for me to believe that you're just about 15 or 20 minutes from me, um, and um, this this entire conversation this evening has reminded me um, that I need to to make a weekly visit up there or, or just something. It's uh, there is an energy that um, I believe when when we are when we as individuals are around a certain energy that feeds our soul, you know, there's just no denying it. Um and that's what this um conversation with you tonight has reminded me of of all the times I've been at the Elevate estate um of my my dear friendships um with the rest of your team and family. Um, and what that really means. And and I started off, or, or earlier in our conversation, mentioned that one of my lessons is uh, to really be so solid um, in the foundation of who I am that that all the chaos can happen all around me, and it doesn't it doesn't shake me. Yeah. Um, and I realized that that part of that dream for me, part of that vision for me, is to to spend more time um in community with with people like you Mickey and and Laura Fredrickson and and um Jay and and Patty and and Nadia and 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 the list just goes on and on of of who your team and family um is and and it's just important I I don't no, I'm going I'll just ask you, you know, what what's your take on on this year and beyond? Um, you know, for us based on your experience and and the information that's come through to you. Well, like I I I said earlier, it's it's we all should be in a state of perpetual gratitude if we knew what was coming and that, that is not to say that we might go through some you know, some dark times and some challenges in our system, but to do just what you said, you know, to really hold our ground, to keep our roots de- deeply in with understanding that nothing happens to us, it all happens for us. And we're literally waking up to take responsibility for our family. You know, I mean, all of humanity is our family. And we don't, we, we, we tend not to see it that way. And so this coming together in community is is hugely important, whether it's, you know, remaining in your individual homes but being part of extended communities, having ongoing places that you can, if it's a agape or, you know, places where you can go and be part of, of, of the sense of community, attending these events that are popping up everywhere right now. Everything's about consciousness right now. Every festival, everything's going green. TV shows, I mean, this is an amazing time to be human, and it is inevitable. I had I had lunch with someone the other day. He said, so, so you, you really think that we're heading to a good place? And I said, no. I said, I know we are. It's inevitable. 
it, it, is, it is absolutely inevitable. Yes, there are environmental situations that we need to tend to right away. Yes, and all of it is reversible, even the stuff they say isn't. Looking from where we're looking at now, it's hard for a lot of people to see. And I always equate this to this ad I saw one time where when, when personal computers first came out, they really, you know, whatever year it was, 60s or whatever it was, the idea of the personal computer was being um, projected, you know. They showed a diagram of what personal computers would be. And they would start off and they would be about, you know, three, three or four foot wide. And they would eventually, all families would need to dedicate an entire room in their home to a computer because it would, with the growth of information and technology, a computer would eventually have to be the size of an average bedroom. And this is what they believed. But looking from where they were looking from, that was true because everything at that point was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now everything's going nano. They didn't know that there would be a curve within, the, in, within invention, within innovation, that would, that would suddenly start making everything smaller and smaller. I just got a MacBook Air. This thing weighs one pound. <laughs> and it's, it, I don't even know when it's in my bag. I always open my bag thinking my bag is empty. And, oh, it's in there. You know, and it's... They, they, didn't, they didn't have the technology at that point. Looking from where they were looking from, they had no way to predict where we are now. And that's very similar with where we're headed. Looking from where a lot of people look from, which unfortunately the lens that we look through is, you know, media and network television, and looking through that lens, oof, grim story, horrible future. Who would want to be on any planet with that kind of a future? But there is another vantage point, and that's what I'm choosing to see our future through. And it's for me, it's closer to reality, and it is a good one. And it is one that makes me feel very, very fortunate and humbled to be in this human experience with so many amazing people like you, so many amazing people like the both of you that are dedicating your lives and your moments. We just have a succession of moments on this planet. And... You're dedicating your moments to consciousness, to elevating people, to to reawakening love, family, connectedness. And more and more people like you are waking up and dedicating and making vows to such missions on this planet. It is a viral chain reaction that we're all privy to unless you live in the boondock somewhere and you have no idea what's going on. But even they, even those people will be affected. They have no choice. Hmm. And there's enough of this consciousness in the world. It shifts. There's a tipping point where it shifts the frequency, the collective agreement frequency. And just as a byproduct, everyone else gets to reap that experience. And so for me, that's, where we are this year and the years that follow. And I should say that in the meantime, it's not about sitting back and, oh, it's all going to be good and, you know, let's just sit back and wait for that to happen. It's about actively creating it so. That will accelerate the inevitable, but making it so is how it is going to be realized in this physical dimension. And so it's about everyone literally listening to this right now, getting back into alignment with the purpose that you came into that body 
to fulfill and readjust in your life in all ways, making those uncomfortable leaps of faith, maybe out of, out of a current job into another job, out of a current relationship into relationship with yourself, whatever it might be, those uncomfortable choices that, that sometimes will have us staying where we are, to actually do it. This is the moment. This is the year that we've all been in preparation for, and there's so much support. Get on the social networks. This was invented. Technology is beautiful, and it was invented to have us all connect and to have us all understand ourselves and each other. Share yourselves and watch the community step up and share themselves and reflect right back at you and help. It's amazing what will happen when we step out of the shadows and literally into our, you know, the greatest vision of our future and reality together. I love it, Nikki. Thank you so much for our first broadcast of 2012 on Dream Reality New Earth Radio. Mickey, you just you you hit the ball out of the park. I, I what what I was interested in tonight is exactly um, what I got and what our listeners got, and and it's refreshing and it's energizing and it's full of hope and love and heart, and that's what you are. And thank you so much for for just not holding back and for just opening yourself up so much and just letting it pour out there. Um, for all of us, I'm um, I'm I'm deeply grateful. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Truly, thank you for being my role model and being such good integral men and and being way showers for all of us, all the work that you do in this community so and uh, in my life. Thank you so much. Thank you. You you really do represent um, for me personally, and I feel for many uh, a true example of an authentic human being. So thank you so much, and uh, Dr. Green, thank you again for holding sp- um, on this uh, wonderful day. And um, uh, what uh, what do you have going on um, in the future, Dr. Green? Please share with us. We've got um, several events coming up from the Conscious Life Expo in um, in February, some events in San Francisco in April. We're just kind of booking out our schedule now. We've even got some uh, things coming up with Elevate. So uh, pay attention to the site tourofloveofcom and drdream.com. Uh, we've also got Gary Malkin on January 31st, award-winning composer and producer as our guest. And then we've got two or three weeks prior to that that we'll be filling up. Um, we've got some feelers out there for some guests. But this is the year. Thank you all so much for joining us. And it's just with tremendous love honor and respect in my heart that um, I get to be on this journey with all of you. Thank you all, and have a lovely evening. Thank you. Blessings to all. Good night. Good night.